Welcome to Daily Wisdom, Walking the Path with the Buddha, a podcast shared by David Roylance. This podcast is dedicated to guiding you to completely eliminate the discontent mind and the suffering it causes by attaining enlightenment. Learn and practice the teachings of Gotama Buddha that will guide you to fully attain a peaceful, calm, serene, and content mind with joy. To support this podcast, visit patreon.com forward slash support Buddha or visit buddhadailywisdom.com where you will discover a full range of courses, retreats, and online learning resources to assist you on the path to enlightenment. Now, here's our teacher to share more. Sawadikap, hello and welcome to Daily Wisdom, Walking the Path with the Buddha. Today is our group learning program and we're in part three of a four-part series where I'm sharing breathing mindfulness meditation, helping you build up your practice. The very first part of this series, I taught breathing mindfulness meditation in detail and then we did a guided meditation session together. Last time, last Wednesday, on our second part of the four-part series, I guided you in meditation and then open up to any and all questions that you might have related to your meditation to be able to help you build up your practice. And that's the same thing that we're going to do today. I'm going to guide you in breathing mindfulness meditation and then afterwards open up to any and all questions that you have because here at the beginning of the group learning program, you're needing to build up your breathing mindfulness meditation practice and you might have questions. So if you're in Facebook, YouTube, or Zoom, you can put your questions into the comment section and I'll be able to see that. Or if you're in Zoom, you can electronically raise your hand and ask any questions or follow-up questions directly. So I'd like to welcome all of you, whether you're joining us for the first time or you've been joining regularly, and at the same time invite you to join for meditation. I'm going to start with a brief chant in order to help ease the mind into meditation. It's important to understand that these chants, there's nothing mystical or magical about the chants. It's not rites or rituals or ceremonies or worship. It's not praying or anything like that. Instead, it's just helping to cultivate awareness of the mind and awareness of the breath to ease the mind into meditation. As we get going forward in our group learning program, I will teach a four-part series on chanting to help students learn how to do the chanting. But for now, I'm just helping you to understand that I'm using that to ease into meditation and then out of meditation. Once we get into meditation, I'll provide some guidance and then there'll be a period of time where it'll be quiet and we'll just be meditating. And then I'll come out with some chanting as well. So go ahead and make yourself comfortable either in the seated, lying, or standing positions. These tend to work well for online learning. If you're on the floor, you might just be sitting with some cushions under your rear and having your legs lightly crossed. And then if you're in a chair, you might have your feet flat on the floor or crossed at the ankles. The Buddha placed his right hand over his left with his thumbs together, and then he put that into his lap. If that's comfortable for you, you can use it. But there's other options here too, where you can place your palms on your thighs, on your knees, your palms up. Essentially, you'd like your lower body and the hands and arms to be completely relaxed. The upper body should be erect. This keeps the mind attentive and alert during the meditation. And then if you'd like to chant along, you're welcome to do that. Otherwise, you might just decide to close the eyes and start breathing in through the nose and out through the nose where I'll come in and provide guidance here after the chanting.
ังมหาเกวันหังอภิวาเตมีสวัสดีตัวมหาเกวตาธรรมดามังนามสามสุปฏิปันโนมหาเกวโตสาวกสังโฆสังฆนามามินับมรสภาเกวโตอาราตุสมาสัพพุตสานับมรสภาเกวโตอาราตุสมาสัพพุตสานับมรสภาเกวโตอาราตุสมาสัพพุตสาอิติปิโสมาเกวาอาราหังสมาสัมโมตุวิชาจารณังสัมมโนสกาตโรกาวิตุอนุเตโรปุริสาดามาสติสัตตาวามนุสนังโอตภาเกวตี With the eyes closed, just start breathing in through the nose and out through the nose. Here you're just looking to establish the breath. A nice, natural, steady, consistent breath. Not forced or controlled. Just a gradual inhale through the nose, experiencing the full breath. And then, whenever you're ready, exhale out through the nose, breathing in. In out, breathing in in out. Your breath may not match up with the guidance that I'm providing, and that's okay. This is your practice. So wherever you get to the next inhale. Just breathing gradually through the nose, 
experiencing the full breath. And then whenever you're ready, exhale out through the nose, establishing a nice, natural, steady, consistent breath. Breathing in. In, out. Breathing in. In, out. With the breath well established, start fixating the mind on the breath either the sound of the breath coming into the nose or the sensation of air moving over the skin into the nose. The breath is the present moment. Fixate the mind on the breath, the present moment. Breathing in. In, out. Breathing in. In, out. With the mind fixated on the breath, whenever you notice that it moves off the breath, Cut that off, let it go, and come back to the breath, the present moment. No need to observe the thought, label it, judge it, analyze it, or even try to figure out where it's coming from. Wherever you notice that the mind is moved off the breath, cut that off, let it go, and come back to the breath, the present moment. Breathing in, in, out. Breathing in, in, out. I'm going to be quiet now and let you do this work of focusing on the breath, cutting off and letting go anytime the mind moves off the breath. You have nowhere to go. There's nothing to do. No one needs you right now. This is your time to focus on the breath. Breathing in, in, out.
to slowly make your way out of meditation. I'm going to open things up here for questions and you can ask those through putting them into Facebook, YouTube, or Zoom, or you can raise your hand electronically and ask any questions that you like. And while you guys might be thinking about certain questions, I would like to just remind you guys of something now that it's part three of our four part series is that this meditation, it isn't to eliminate your thoughts. That's not what you're actually trying to accomplish. Oftentimes because of the guidance that is given during the meditation to cut off and let go of your thoughts and come back to the breath, a student might think that their goal is to eliminate their thoughts. But as long as you're alive, you're going to have thoughts. By the time you are getting to enlightenment, you'll notice that the mind will be quieted and stilled. You'll have these longer and longer gaps of peacefulness in the mind as you're meditating. When you're first starting, you might notice a bombardment of thoughts, lots of rapid thoughts, or you might notice that you indulge in a thought and follow it for a period of time before you cut it off and let it go and bring the mind back. 
having remembered that, oh yeah, that's right, I'm meditating. So if these things are happening for you where you're having bombardment of thoughts or you're following a thought for a while, this is completely normal. It's gonna take you a good six months, year, maybe even two years to gradually build up your meditation practice to two to three sessions per day for 30 minutes or more. But as you're doing that, you're gonna be accumulating the benefits along the way and you'll see that over time, the mind will become more quieted and more stilled. You don't need to put expectations on yourself to have your meditation be one particular way or another. If you get to the end of your meditation and you're like, oh my goodness, my mind is so bombarded with thoughts, it's so busy. This is a beneficial meditation. If you get to the end of your meditation, you're like, wow, things were quite calm and quite peaceful today. That's a beneficial meditation. So it's unwise to judge your meditation of whether it's good or it's bad. It just is whatever it is. If you get to the end of the meditation and you notice that your mind is quite busy, this is beneficial because now maybe you'll take things a little bit slower during your day. Maybe if you have any real big impactful decisions, you can delay those to another time when your mind's more calm. So don't feel like you need to judge your meditation as good or bad or that you judge how well you're doing on the path based on your meditation. Your meditation is just gradual, consistent training, right? Some days if you go to the gym, you might be able to lift one particular set of weights. You go to the gym another day, your muscles might be performing completely different and be able to lift another amount of weight. It's the same kind of thing when you're exercising the mind that your meditation practice is gonna be impermanent. It's gonna go up and down. And as you get closer and closer to enlightenment, you'll find more peacefulness and joy in the meditation but don't put expectations on yourself of that should be any particular way. Don't crave or long or yearn for your meditation to be any particular way. Whatever it is, it is. You've experienced it, it was beneficial, and then you just move on with your day reflecting on what benefit that you gained from the meditation rather than seeing any faults or problems in your meditation. Of course, you'd like to actively work to improve your meditation, but don't beat yourself up or degrade yourself thinking that you're no good just because maybe your mind was particularly busy on one day or another. Your enlightenment isn't going to be determined based on whether you meditated today or not, or whether your meditation was busy today or not. That's not what's going to determine whether you get to enlightenment or not. And if you miss a meditation session, this is completely normal that sometimes people will miss a meditation session. But over a long-term consistent period, if you're able to put together enough meditation sessions, you'll be able to train the mind to get to enlightenment. Whereas if you completely became complacent where you didn't meditate for months at a time, this would be detrimental to your meditation practice. But even if that occurs, you can always get right back into it at some point in time. The longer your mind is complacent, the more challenging it'll be to get back into your meditation practice. So it's best to stay consistent with it. But if you miss a day here or there, it's understandable. But over the next one year, two years, three years, can you put together enough meditation that your mind is going to be able to absorb that and then accumulate the benefits over that period of time? That's what's going to truly determine if you get to enlightenment or not. Are you able to put together enough decisions to meditate and practice all the other steps of the full path as well? So let me turn things over to you guys and see if there's any questions either from Facebook, YouTube, or Zoom. You guys know how to ask those questions and I would be pleased to help you with anything that you guys might have questions on. Okay, it looks like we have some questions here in YouTube. Bruce is saying hello to everyone, hope you're all well. Uh, just an observation, the basement flooded and my meditation cushion got damaged. 
when I saw how my mind reacted to not being able to use the cushion, I recognized the attachment. I couldn't help but laugh. A simple object I use while trying to train my mind to let go of craving, desire, attachment. And there I was attached to that object. Yep, that's exactly what the mind does. It's a master at having attachments and clinging to things. So the way that I think about it is, luckily your basement flooded, Bruce, because now you know that you were attached to it and you can get rid of that attachment. If your basement would have never flooded, then you wouldn't have known this. So you're very fortunate that this has occurred because now your mind was able to identify a specific attachment that you had and let go of it. Had this never happened, perhaps you would have let go of all your other attachments, but this one was still hanging on and the mind wasn't yet enlightened. So this is actually quite helpful and you're quite fortunate that this has occurred. And it's great that you laughed at it, right? This is really helpful instead of being so serious about it laughing and finding humor in the fact that the mind is such a master at getting attached to things, even something as simple as a meditation cushion. This is very common that you'll observe these kind of things. And then when you see it, you can train the mind to let it go, right? And the way that I would suggest you practice at this point, since now you see your mind is attached to your meditation cushion, is mix it up a bit. Sometimes use that cushion, sometimes don't. Or use like a pillow or use something else. You'd like to insert some impermanence into the mind so the mind doesn't get attached to permanently wanting to meditate with this one specific meditation cushion. So mix it up a bit. This is how you train the mind to not crave permanence in addition to everything else that you know that I've taught in these classes and programs is put in some impermanence where you don't allow the mind to do any one particular thing, including the location where you meditate. Not only the actual device that you're using, like the cushion, you can mix that up, but even the location, like switch around to your living room, to outside, to a park. Sometimes use your meditation cushion, sometimes don't. This impermanence is really good because there's going to be different lighting, different sounds, different smells, different environment. This introducing of impermanence into your meditation practice will help your mind become more stable because you can gain the stability in any and all environments. Because all you really need is the body, the mind, and the breath to meditate. So by you moving your practice around, you might notice it kind of gets shaken up here and there at different times as you're moving around in these different environments. But over time of doing this, you'll gain the stability and control of the mind that it's used to all this impermanence rather than allowing it to just still crave permanence. Looks like oh, Vladimir has a question here. Should we cut off images we have in mind? For example, we have a stable image in mind. When I meditate, I have an image of the eyes of the Buddha symbol sometimes. Should I cut it off? Yes, anything that the mind has a thought about, you would like to cut that off, no matter whether it's an image, whether it's a thought, whether it's any sound that the mind is hearing, anything that the mind is trying to hold on to or grasp for, it doesn't matter what it is. Just cut it off and bring the mind back to the breath. That's what you would like to train the mind to do. And that's why we're not eliminating thoughts. What we're doing is we're training the mind to easily let them go when they occur. So that then in daily life, as you're moving about the world and you notice that there's anger arising or other unwholesome 
qualities of mind or certain thoughts that arise in the mind, you can easily cut those off and let them go in daily life. So the meditation is helping you build that mindfulness or awareness of mind. It's helping you to build concentration or the ability to focus on a single object like the breath. And then when you notice that there is a thought, you're able to easily let it go. So if 20, 30, 50 times in your meditation, you're needing to let go, let go, let go, let go. This is actually really helpful for the mind because you're exercising the mind to be able to let go because it's not trained to do that. It's trained to hold on. That's what it's doing in the unenlightened state. So you're trying to get the mind to the point where it does let go and it's able to easily do that. And that's why the mindfulness is there to be aware and the concentration and then be able to easily let go. All right, let's see. Bruce's have something else to say here too. Those are wonderful ideas. I will definitely add impermanence to my meditation going forward. Thank you for your guidance. You're welcome, Bruce. Pleased to help you. Let me take a look at Facebook and see if we have anything there. Looks like we do. It says here, hello, teacher. I'm investigating and reflecting on the five aggregates. What make a being a being as a learning process? I have a question. This might seem silly, but here is my question. Are bacteria a living being? This question have popped up in the mind multiple times. Obviously, I have craving and attachment. And sometimes to get over this craving is to get it out of the system. Yes, you need to just fulfill your craving sometimes. So it's great that you investigated this and tried to look at it yourself. So just for those of you guys that aren't familiar with the five aggregates, the aggregates are the form aggregate, the feeling, the perception, the volitional formations, which are choices and decisions, and then there's the consciousness aggregate. These aggregates or collections or elements are the way that the Buddha describes a living being. So in order to practice something like the first precept of living compassionately for all living beings, you need to be able to know what is a living being. So he teaches the five aggregates as a way to help an individual to understand what is a living being. And if it has physical form, if it has feelings, if it has perceptions, if it has volitional formations, which are choices and decisions, and it has a consciousness, this is a living being. So a bacteria isn't a living being. It doesn't have those five aggregates. I wrote about this in chapter seven. You can see in volume one, chapter seven, where I share that plants nor bacteria are living beings. We tend to use the English language and other language in ways that it's not really true reality. This is one of the problems in the unenlightened mind with the confusion and misunderstanding and lack of wisdom. We tend to use language that doesn't really represent true reality. So we might say we're going to kill a tree, we're going to kill bacteria, or we're going to kill a virus. But if something isn't a living being, it can't actually be killed. What you're doing is you're harvesting a tree right? Or you're eliminating a bacteria or you're eliminating a virus. This is true reality. So part of your journey to enlightenment is to get very familiar with language and vocabulary and how it's being used and see that we're really misusing a lot of language and vocabulary in different situations. And by you understanding vocabulary, how it's being used and how it's important to represent true reality in your speech, you'll be able to talk about things in a way that represents true reality. So bacteria, virus, plants, these things aren't living beings because they don't actually have all five aggregates. And you can see the truth on this by taking the five aggregates, 
because you know you're a living being. You can take the five aggregates and you can see that you have all five of these. You know that a dog, a monkey, a cat, these are living beings, so you can see that they have all five aggregates. But something like a table or a computer or a tree or bacteria, they don't have all five aggregates. And this is how you can know the truth of exactly what a living being is and then train your mind to have loving kindness and compassion for all living beings. Judith, I see your comment there in Facebook. You're welcome. Pleased to help you. I'm going to circle back to YouTube and then over to Zoom. Looks like we have some comments here in Zoom. Is once daily a good start for meditation practice or trying as often as possible daily best for beginners? Kimberly, each person is going to start in a different place and is going to do things in a different way. I've seen some students that start with just one meditation, five or 10 minutes a day. I've seen some that can do two for 15 or 20. Everybody starts in their own way and in whatever works for them because of impermanence. So wherever you start is where you start. So if it's one or two sessions, if it's 10 minutes, 15, 20 minutes, that you know is whatever happens, happens. That's what you're choosing to do. But then what you would like to do is gradually expand this over time. So what you do is you look at the time before you go into meditation and you look at the time when you come out. And if it's only 5, 10, 15 minutes, then you know, okay, let me just continue to work on expanding this without putting expectation on yourself about being any particular place at one time or another. Just gradually expand it over time that if you're at 15 minutes or 20 minutes, you're like, okay, well, let me just continue to go forward. And the way that you do this, is if you're trying to expand your meditation for longer and you get to a point where you're like, all right, I'm done with meditation. I'm going to come out of meditation, but you're not quite sure if you've elongated your time or not. Just tell the mind three more breaths and now take three more inhales and three more exhales. And then if you can, at the end of that, three more breaths, right? And now you do three more. Just tell yourself three more breaths right? Normally you're not going to have thoughts during meditation, but now we're working to expand our meditation. So you might need to tell your mind three more breaths, three more breaths, and then do that for whatever period of time and see where you got. Because over time, you're going to notice that five minutes of meditation can feel like an hour. And sometimes an hour can feel like five minutes. Not that you ever need to meditate for an hour or anything like that. But if you ever get into really deep meditation. Sometimes you can go really long, like 45 minutes or an hour, and you come out of meditation and you think that it was only five or 10 minutes and it was actually 45 minutes or an hour. So just gradually expand your meditation like that. And if it's one session a day and that's where you're at, okay, that's where you're at. What you'll notice is frequency is more important than duration. So if it's a matter of one session for 20 or 30 minutes, it would be better to do two for 10 or 15 minutes per day. Because that way, if you miss one, you still got one that you did. And then also with those two meditations, you can then gradually expand them in terms of their time. So that's what I would recommend for you on that. You're welcome, Kimberly. Pleased to help you. Here's one from Miriam. Thank you, David, for your time and kind guidance. So I understand that we don't need a fixed schedule to meditate, not the same time of day. That's exactly correct. You can't meditate at exactly the same time. If you set up a schedule that you are going to meditate at 8 a.m. every day, 
you're not going to be able to do that every day. Now, if you have a general idea, like you're like, all right, well, I tend to wake up at 8 a.m. in the morning and I'm going to tend to meditate at 8 a.m. each day. Okay, that's like a goal, objective, or interest, but just know that that's not going to happen that way every day. Sometimes you're going to meditate 9, 9.30, 10 o'clock. Sometimes you might wake up early and you meditate earlier, but generally you'd like to be meditating in the morning and the evening. These are two great anchor points for you. But you would like to be sure you're doing this when the mind is attentive and alert. So if you're waking up and you're still kind of groggy, that's not a good time to meditate. Or if you're starting to meditate too close to the time that you sleep, your mind's going to be a little bit groggy and not active and alert for the meditation to do this dedicated, active, purposeful training session. So be sure you have some attentiveness and alertness to the mind before you start meditating. Then you'll get more benefit out of the meditation itself because the mind's attentive and alert during the meditation. I'm going to take a look at YouTube and Facebook one more time and see if we have any more questions. Okay, I'm not seeing any more questions anywhere. And uh, you're welcome, Miriam. I'll let you guys know that uh, here in a matter of probably a week or two, I'm going to be able to live stream directly from the temple where I teach in the mornings at 9 a.m. here in Thailand, which is going to provide another opportunity for students all over the world to be able to learn. It'll help the time zones that are east of Thailand because they're usually asleep at nighttime by the time I'm teaching. And then it also provides another training opportunity in another class for people who are in other time zones. So while I normally teach on Sunday, Wednesday, and Saturday at 9 p.m., I'm going to continue to be doing that. But you're going to start noticing live streams at 9 a.m. Sunday, Wednesday, and Saturday as well, which means that the people like in places like the U.S. are going to have now a class that's available to them on Friday night, on Saturday night, and on Tuesday night. These are going to be new options for you guys that you're going to start seeing coming up in Facebook and YouTube and things like that. I'm still going to be recording the evening class for the podcast, but I just thought I'd let you guys know that you're going to start having more opportunities to attend classes. I'll have class live at the temple, so there'll be live students in the audience, and then there's going to be people online from all over the world during those classes as well. And then I'll continue to be offering these classes in the evenings as well as I always do here at 9 p.m. Thai time, which may be morning or afternoon for you, depending on where you're at. But this is just going to open things up for more students to have more options to be able to learn in those time zones where people are usually sleeping when I'm live streaming at night, then they'll be able to now learn while I'm at the temple. So thought I'd let you guys know about that. I appreciate the support that you guys are giving me to be able to do these kinds of things. I'm using the generosity that you guys are practicing to share donations with me to now purchase some equipment to be able to actually offer this option for students that will have more options of learning in other time zones when I'll be able to tune in. So thank you all for your continuous support. I appreciate all of that. And uh, just remind you about the upcoming classes. This Sunday, we're going to be in the third part of our three-part series on the Eightfold Path. I'm going to be teaching the mental discipline section of the Eightfold Path, which is right effort, right mindfulness, and right concentration. We're going to go deeply into the words of the Buddha on these particular steps and factors of the Eightfold Path. So you guys are welcome to learn either live or through the replay for that particular class. And then next Wednesday, we're going to be finishing up our four-part series on breathing mindfulness meditation. So I'll be live streaming and sharing teachings during Wednesday 
next week as well. And then, of course, on each Saturday, we have our Polycanon in English study group that you guys are welcome to join at any time where we're studying the words of the Buddha in volumes 2 through 13 of the book series. And we just started volume 7 of the book series, which is titled Breathing Mindfulness Meditation, which is a collection of teachings from the Buddha on breathing mindfulness meditation. So thank you all for joining. Thank you all for your questions. We'll see you guys in one of these future classes. Have a very lovely and wonderful rest of your day. Sawadikap. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To provide support for this podcast, visit patreon.com forward slash support Buddha. To access more teachings, visit buddhadailywisdom.com. There, you will discover a full range of courses, retreats, and online resources to assist you on the path to enlightenment. Remember to establish a daily, consistent meditation practice, along with learning and practicing these teachings. A well-developed meditation practice is the foundation in which to train the mind to attain enlightenment.